Sabrina Cohen Hatton and I'm a Chief Fire Officer and a Psychologist. And you're coming to speak at our conference in March so we're very excited about that. Now that psychology part of that, I mean, it sounds to me as if one of the things you've done as somebody who I think it's fair to say had a pretty checkered educational background at school for reasons we might talk about, um, but you then went on and did a PhD and so you take a kind of analytical approach to the fire service which is you know, dealing with really difficult things. So what, what, what is that psychological side? Yeah, so I had some personal experience where someone close to me was um, very nearly killed at an incident. Um, and so that made me want to understand how we can pe make people safer, effectively. And what I discovered is the majority of the time when people are injured in the fire service, it's as a result of human error. So it was important to me to try to understand that human error so we could reduce it. Um, and actually what we found when we started to unpick this data was that Again, 80% of the time, the kind of decisions people were making were very intuitive gut decisions and not analytical decisions, as one might imagine. But actually, when you look at the policies and the procedures and the protocols, they're all very focused on an analytical decision. So we needed to readdress that balance so that we were training people in a way that complements the way that they were actually thinking. Um, and by doing that, what we found when we started to introduce some new techniques was that we could raise people's levels of situational awareness to the highest level up to five times more often when they were using these techniques than they weren't. So they were projecting, they were thinking about what might happen and they were becoming more goal-directed, they were more focused on what it was they were trying to achieve rather than just responding to a piece of the situation. So it was incredibly effective. So there you were uh, working for the fire service, doing your PhD uh, in the early hours, in the margins of the day. Th that probably surprises your older self, if you look back to your younger self, because I think it's fair to say you had an incredibly challenging time from the age of kind of 14 onwards. Uh, and school was important to you, and you, you will be speaking to a thousand or so school leaders, reminding us that children may be coming into school from quite turbulent home lives. Can you just describe yours just br briefly? Yeah, of course. My father died when I was nine years old and my mother suffered terribly with her mental health um, to the point where she deteriorated quite considerably. Um, and as a young person, when you are still trying to go to school and trying to um, fulfill the aspirations, if you like, and the expectations that are placed upon you, not just from those around you, but by school teachers themselves. They want you to come into school and give your best. But actually, if you're dealing with something like the mental health of a caregiver, if you're living in poverty, if you're going into school and you're hungry and you're cold, if you're going into school and you're being bullied because your clothes are dirty, because you've got nowhere to wash them, when you add on the additional pressure of the expectation to perform, that can be really, really tough. And uh, there was a time that you were, you were homeless, weren't you? you were living on the streets, and yet changing into your school uniform, going to school, where people, what, were they aware that you were living on the streets? Uh, I think some were, towards, certainly towards the latter part, yeah. Um, one of my teachers saw me selling the big issue and crossed the street to avoid me. Um, so I'm pretty certain that people knew the situation. But actually, there's another point to this. This was real life before the Children's Act of 2004. Um, we had a social worker. We, there were so many signs in school that we were, we were struggling. There were signs with other public agencies as well. But actually, because no one was sharing information, that picture, all of the dots were there, but they were never joined up to make that picture. Uh, and unfortunately, 
for, for, for my family, we were one of those families that fell through the cracks. Um, and it was an incredibly difficult time. And I, I hope that now, with more awareness, more supporting legislation, that that would be less likely to happen today than it was back then. But I think we could all challenge ourselves and ask, we might be certain that it would be less likely to happen, but are we certain that it would never happen? And what can we all do every single day to keep an eye open for those signs and pick up on them? Uh, it's an extraordinary story. Look forward to seeing you at conference in March. Thank you, Sabrina. Thank you so much.